if you were to take Uber Conference, and that includes years and years of Uber Conference companies, um, if you were to go with Dialpad specifically and take the Uber conferencing out, um, that number comes, the 60,000 comes down to a smaller number. So, and then the number I gave you was not Uber conference revenue. I see. Okay. So when you, when you look at just dial pad customers, you're talking more like 5,000, 10,000 range. That range sounds about right. You are listening to conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed to subscribe go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster, minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Craig Walker. He's got 20 plus years of experience as an entrepreneur, venture capitalist, corporate executive, CEO, and attorney. He was the first entrepreneur in residence at Google Ventures and CEO of Dialpad Communications before it became Yahoo Voice. He also founded Grand Central Communications, which was acquired by Google and became Google Voice. Craig, you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready to go. So did you spin this bad boy out of Yahoo Voice or did you start something new from scratch? No, starting something new from scratch. And the hardest thing with any startup is getting a great name or URL. And so we ended up buying the name back from Yahoo. They've been sitting on it for 10 years. <laughs> well, they could use all the cash in the world right now. So I'm sure. <laughs> now, were you able to, I mean, did you have to pay a pretty penny or did you work out a nice deal? No, it was a great deal. One of my buddies was still at Yahoo. You know, we got acquired in 2005. I called him in about 2013 and he was like the one remaining guy. And I'm like, hey, is there any way I can buy this back? And they made a pretty decent deal. This was right before they got acquired by Verizon. So they were they were open minded, I'd say. Less than 100 grand for the domain or, or more? Less. Oh, wow. OK, I would say that's a pretty good deal for a pronounceable domain name. That's great. Yeah, it ends in .com, seven letters, and it's somewhat related to your industry. <laughs> it's pretty good. All right, tell us about the company. So, so what do you guys do, and are you PurePlay SaaS? Yeah, PurePlay SaaS, um, we believe that business communications are, yeah, the way you work has changed entirely over the last 10 years, and your communications have to go with it. So all kind of mobile first, served out of the cloud, but beyond that, Phone companies always used to be about just connecting two people and have a high quality call. We we have added artificial intelligence to all your calls. So now it's about not just having a high quality call, but hey, taking notes automatically from that call, flagging follow-up action items from that call, and just pulling a lot of value out of that conversation that's pretty much lost today. Let's not get too deep here, but I am curious uh, to go into the tech. So are you basic, I mean, are you transcribing real time and there's sentiment analysis? Have, how many hours of voice have you put into the machine to train the algorithm? 
Yeah, so we acquired this company called Talk IQ about two years ago. They were funded by Salesforce and a couple other great VCs. Um, and so we acquired them, built them into our telephony engine. So you get real-time transcription, real-time sentiment analysis, real-time coaching. So if someone asks me a question or has a sales objection, I can get a battle card of how to handle that, how to handle that question or objection. Um, and yeah, that's that's literally built into all the all the calls and it just kind of happens naturally. Now that was a $50 million deal with, with talk IQ. I assume was, I mean, was that all cash up front or stock involved? I uh, know there was a lot of that with stock. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the value is you have this trillion dollar industry of phone conversations and putting those two together, you're able to change what happens on those calls. Um, I think everyone wanted the stock upside rather than just a cash out. Yeah, because they had raised 22 million bucks in venture capital, right? 50 million is an okay exit for 22 raise, but not great. Those VCs would rather say, you know what? We'll convert to something in a dial pad. We really believe in what they're going after. It's not a write down then. Yeah, for sure. That is legitimately not an exit. Like the ultimate exit is what goes into Dialpad and then happens. Yeah, very interesting. Now, did you, so the, the asset in Talk IQ, right? So you add a lot of things to Dialpad, but did they have a massive library of voice data? I mean, that's that's really who's going to win this space is who has the largest sample size. Exactly. Well, that was the beauty of putting them into Dialpad because we already have hundreds and hundreds of millions of minutes a month going through the system. So once we put those two together, we're training that engine every single day, every single minute, every single, you know, every single hour. So it's almost it like, you're right though. Like it's like hours on the freeway of self-driving cars. Like it just takes millions and millions, and millions of hours to get that good. The good news is it's like, I've seen it just over the last six months go from, good to great. And I just can't wait to see what keeps happening because it just gets better. So what's the sweet spot, right? So if I forced you into an average, which I know are dangerous in these kinds of sales, because you probably have power laws happening all over the place, but the average customer is going to pay you what per year to use the technology? Um, average customer at the mid market, you know, let's call it about $50,000 a year for their team. Okay. And what are you upselling against? So team, so number of seats, what are their upsells? Okay, so you have your your phone system that you is kind of the baseline. You can replace the phone system, and then we have a call center product or a contact center product that does a support version or a sales version, which is literally just placing a ton of calls, receiving a ton of calls, allowing supervisors to coach, and having the AI included in all of that. So those are the big ones. And then we also have a conferencing product called Uber Conference that does very very seamless, super easy conference calling and it too has the same transcription and AI. Was that, was Uber, did you guys acquire Uber conference or did you build that internally? No, we built that internally. And back in the days before we bought the name Dialpad, we had this idea that it was going to be Uber communications, Uber conference, Uber meeting, Uber voice. And then Uber became Uber. So we had to change all of our, all of our plans. I want to know who you paid to do the jingle where, I mean, I still remember it's like, you know, it's like, you've been waiting on the line. You're, you're waiting on your conference call. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that is the, that is the greatest free marketing ever. So my co-founder Alex <laughs> Cornell wrote that one weekend and he asked me if he could, and he played it, wrote it, did it all himself. We put it in the product on Monday morning and it's never left. And it's like, like you can go on Twitter today. It's so funny. It's amazing. <laughs> I love that. All right, good. So that's your, that now that obviously enabled you. Was that your first foray into capturing large amounts of voice data for you to start training your systems? Yeah, that was, I mean, that launched in 2012. So I was far before, you know, training any AI systems. 
Um, but yeah, that was, it's a great entryway into the products. It's a great entryway into the company. It's a freemium viral product. So it is a ton of, a ton of usage, ton of users, ton of high velocity stuff that legitimately gives us a ton of trading data now. Yeah. Okay. So when was founding year of Dialpad? Uh, 2011. 2011. Okay, good. And then walk me through like the first five customers. You remember how you got them? Um, yeah. So, so Box was our first real customer and Uber Conference was our only product at the time. And everything else had been like five seat, 10 seat, you know, really scrappy stuff. And then they came in with a $5,000 a month order and I like legitimately blew my mind. Could not believe someone was going to give us that much money. And now you look back at it, you know, we have, we have multiple multi-million dollar deals and, and that first 5,000 though still really, really stands out as like, oh my God, like this is a real thing that real businesses are willing to pay for. And so now how many customers have you scaled to today, seven, eight years later? Yes. We have, yeah. We have over. Oh no, it's getting all choppy. I hope, hopefully you you're can good. You're good. Over how many? Okay. I'm good. Yeah, so we have over 60,000 um, customers using our products. That, I mean, that's healthy, right? So so when you look at when you look at the sales motion, right? You look at Expensify, which has the, kind of the same number. They obviously are going bottoms up hardcore. The janitor submits a receipt, they then upsell to the team. Are you bottoms up or top down? You know, it depends. Like if you're trying to sell the, uh, the, the nice thing having a couple different products, the call center versus the phone system. Call center, you can go in and sell at any time. Go sell to the head of sales. Go sell to the head of support. Um, trying to do the whole company's phone system is, is total tops down, right? Like that's the head of IT. He's going to do a full switch, rip out his legacy stuff, and is going to switch everything to the cloud. That's a top down one. The bottoms up, though, or kind of like mid up is you go into like the, the sales org or the support org and you sell them a specific solution for their piece. Are you upselling any usage-based kind of upselling? You mentioned product-based upselling and seat-based upselling, but any usage-based? You know, we've to date, we've included unlimited usage in all of our products. We kind of hated the fact that telephony is this, is this world where you have, you know, like these, you think it's going to be one price and it turns out to be another when you get your bill. We always wanted to turn that into just a normal SaaS. You, when we say it's X, it is X. Um, so there is no kind of upsell on usage. We just, we just okay. let you use. You that's, want. that's good. Now those 60,000 number you gave me, are those paid seats across logos or is that the total number of brands, the total number of logos using you? Yeah, those are the total number of brands, different oh, wow. companies using the product. Yeah, that's great. And all, all paid, no free. I'll pay. Like if we included free, it's, it's, you know, it's hundreds of thousands more than that. That's great. Okay. Talk to me about, again, you, you, you know, how you funded this bad boy. So did you bootstrap in the beginning or how much have you raised to date? Yeah. So, so I was running the Google voice product and then left Google to go do this, but I was lucky enough. Google ventures, let me be their entrepreneur in residence. So I got to spend the first six months still getting paid by Google working on the idea. And then Google ventures did our series a Anderson Horowitz did our Series B. A group out of Singapore called Amasia did our Series C. And then Iconic Ventures did our Series D. So if you add it all up, it's about $122 million. All equity? All equity. All to the balance sheet or any secondary? All to the balance sheet. Really? Okay. I, I mean, mo- I, w- I would have guessed that Iconic round, you would have started seeing at least maybe some go to secondary considering those early folks have been in for, what, eight years now, right? Yeah, that's right. But I think at the end of the day, it's still this massive upside and it's still this... This giant, you know, voice and telecommunications is one of the last 
massive markets, it's yet to really make a significant migration to the cloud. So if we can get this right, and if we can get the right product market fit and the right everything, like the sky's the limit. So at the end of the day, I don't think anyone was looking to get out. When you look at, you know, considering your contract size, you said the average customer paying call it four grand a, a month or about $50,000 per year, you should see some healthy expansion revenue in those kinds of cohorts. So when you look at your net revenue retention number and you peel it back, what is gross revenue churn on the cohort from a year ago? And what have you expanded that same cohort by? Yeah, I, um, I love the VC questions. This is awesome. Um, but yeah, we have net revenue of expansion of north of like 125%. So really kind of very healthy on the expansion side. Um, that's the number I track. I need to pull in my CFO for any more details. No, it's okay. I mean, I guess, I guess there, I guess what I try and test out when I ask that question really is there are some companies where their gross revenue churn, cause it's maybe SMB is like 50% annually, but their expansion is like a hundred percent on the cohort. So net revenue retention is still 150. I'm just generally trying to get a sense of like what the ratio is between your gross revenue churn versus the expansion to get to the 125. Yeah, it's um, a churn is very low. So like, I, and I was at, I don't know if you went to the Saster conference, but Bessemer did this pretty good display of like, here are all the benchmarks of every B2B SaaS company on all these churn metrics and retention and expansion. Um, and we were, we were on the far right of good on every single one of those. So, I just, again, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. That's but okay. It's, Can you say yeah. definitely less than 10% gross revenue churn annually? Yeah, I'd say definitely less than 10%. Okay, got it. So let's assume worst case it is 10%. Expansion would then have to be at least 35% to get your 125 number. Yeah, that's about right. Are you driving that? So there's a lot of people I've had on in the 50 to $100 million ARR range where they're starting to drive expansion revenue and, and they're relying on their customer success managers to do that. And those CSMs are actually carrying a quota to drive more usage. Do you have mm -hmm. CSMs and do they carry a quota? We do have CSMs um, and they do carry a quota. It is, um, it's funny, you go back, we've gone back and forth a little bit between whether we have account managers with quota, CSMs without quota, CSMs working with sales reps with quota. Yep. Um, it's, it's always kind of like you're tweaking and tuning those things all the time. Um, currently it is CSMs. So. Okay, yeah. interesting. So let me see if I can play this back to you because this is something that there's no right answer. Everyone's testing different things. You Once yeah. the sale is made, the AE passes it off to the CSM. So between months 12 and 24 and 36 of the customer's life, it's the CSM's job to drive adoption, cross-product adoption, and expansion revenue. That's right. And we do give our AEs credit for the first six months expansion. Oh, interesting. That. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of times you have a land and expander, like the first implementation isn't like, isn't the contract value. So we'll say, you know, they'll say, look, I want to put it into headquarters first. And then next month we'll get, go put it in a satellite office and we'll do with this other stuff. So for that, we give that that's, we basically say the credit to that goes to the initial sale. And so the AE and the AE is the person they spent the most time with getting to the line of closing the deal. So them being the natural for six months, kind of like point of contact makes sense. CSMs are involved at that point, but six months after then they take over. Okay. So quantify, roll that all up for me. What's the total team size today? Oh boy. Of the whole company? Whole company. Yeah. Whole company is 500 folks. Okay. And how many of them are quota carrying reps of some sort? Mm, 75 of some sort. Oh wow. Okay. And then how many engineers? Um, 150. Woo, all in the Valley. No, 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 hell no. Like, I was going to say, Craig, yeah. I'm not envious of your balance sheet right now. Let's just put it that no, way. No, no kidding. So we, uh, 
we started in downtown San Francisco. And so we do have a kind of like core original hardcore engineering in San Francisco. Um, <clears throat> but we opened an office in Vancouver, British Columbia. They've been fantastic. We have about 90 people there. And then when we acquired TalkIQ, they had an office in Kitchener, Waterloo, Canada, which is right at the University of Waterloo above Toronto. Um, I think we have about 30 folks there. And then we also have engineers in Bangalore where we have another 30 to 40 folks there. So question for you, these different economic regions will give different incentives for R&D spend. Canada, you always have shred financing. Do you take advantage of any of these localized economic programs or no? No, no. Uh, Talk IQ did before we acquired them, but once we did the the whatever the rules and regulations didn't allow it. Like yeah. it, it turned out to be the shred credits were going to be, I did, for whatever reason. And we looked into it. I don't know why we didn't qualify once we acquired them, but we affirmably didn't. Yep. Okay. Cool. Well, listen. Before we kind of wrap up here with the famous five, the 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 last round you did with Iconic, so that would have been I think fifty million in in twenty eighteen, right? So over a year ago. I mean, that means yeah. right now you're either in acquisition talks with Salesforce, right, or you're raising capital. Which one is it? Uh, neither right now. Come on, I, I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's the look. It's a really exciting time. It's a really exciting space. Um, our job is just to head stand, go execute. So we still have a ton of the uh, ton of the iconic capital in the bank. So we'll just use that for a while and and get to you know get to a better location before we do either of those. Well, so can I ask you a question? That fifty million you raised, right? You're a VC, so you know most recommendation is raised for at least eighteen months of runway. Did you intentionally raise for way more? How many months did you plan for on the fifty million? You know when we when we raise the fifty million, it's it's not like you're out of money when you raise and then you go, right? It was, we had plenty of money in the bank and then we decided we had just integrated the talk IQ piece and said, okay, let's put, bring some more capital into the company and grow the AI team and really kind of grow the R&D efforts and then expand some go-to-market motions. Um, but so we didn't really say, okay, this is going to buy us till, till why. There's a lot of assumptions of growth and churn and burn and all these other things that go into it. Um, but at the end of the day, we're now 12 months past that or 14, 15 months past that. And we're just starting to spend it now. So okay. it's, it, you know, it was, it was, it, we were not starting from zero. So it had plenty of, plenty of additional cushion in. Yeah. So if you're just starting to spend the 50 million you raised about a year and a half ago, that means you have, you know, call it 45, 50 million in the bank right now, basically you're now just jumping into. In the ballpark. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And what are you comfortable? I mean, driving burn to, can you live with a million dollars a month in burn as you drive growth or is that too much? Um, I could live with a million dollars a month to burn. And why? Yeah, I mean that would be that would be forty months of forty months of of go to market and R and D and maturing product, maturing market, and you know what we see is every legacy company moving to the cloud and getting off their on premise stuff. So, you know. 30, 40 months of burn is a wonderful place to have. Yeah, no, I agree. And then I think I have something wrong here. So 60,000 customers, you told me earlier, ARPU or ACV average is about four grand a month. Now, obviously, if I multiply four grand a month times 60,000, that would mean you're doing a quarter of a billion a month in revenue. A quarter which, billion a month. So, um, so Craig, you, you are, you're, you're really killing it. But no, that's obviously overestimated. Which of those numbers is not accurate or wrong? So the the 60,000 is different companies using the product or using all of our products. So if you were to say, if you were to take Uber conference and that includes years and years of Uber conference companies. Um, if you were to go with Dialpad 
specifically and take the Uber conferencing out, um, that number comes, the 60,000 comes down to a smaller number. So, and then the number I gave you was not Uber conference revenue. I see. Okay. So when you, when you look at just dial pad customers, you're talking more like 5,000, 10,000 range. Uh, that range sounds about right. Okay. And then last question I've got for you. So yeah, uh, the it, Forbes reported the, the valuation when you only had 70 million raised was around kind of 250 million bucks. Have you broken a billion dollar valuation on the iconic round or do you think that's probably next year or next raise? Um, yeah, we don't talk about our valuations, but, but I, you know, we don't, and we certainly don't focus on trying to be a unicorn. I think those like the focus on valuation as a private company is a, is a pretty terrible focus and gets people in, in the wrong spot. So, our job is just go kick ass and then we'll see what the markets are like when we go raise money. What have you grown revenue out of the past 12 months? You're still at hundred percent year over year. Or are you too big to be doing that every year now? Um, that's getting, that's, that gets harder and harder to do as the, as the denominator grows. Um, but we're really happy with the growth rates that we have. Okay. Can, can you say it was between 50 and hundred percent in the past 12 months? Um, yeah, you're in the ballpark. Okay. Let me ask you a different question over the next 12 months. Are you happy with 50% year over year growth based off your size or um, do you need to push it? Hell yeah. I mean, 50% year over year growth is fantastic. Well, you'll I mean, look at the last, you know, last 30 uh, SaaS IPOs. I think other than, you know, other than Zoom, which is the world's greatest IPO in the history of, of the Valley, I think anything like, you know, they're averaging around 30, 28, 30, 32% going into an IPO. So yeah, anything north of that is really attractive. I mean, he basically went from 150 to 300, raising no extra capital the 18 months prior to IPO. It was incredible, 100% year over year growth at that scale. That kind of brings tears to everyone's eyes. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a really, really good dude on top of it. So, so like, it, it's great to see. I mean, it's just, it, it was just really refreshing to see someone be able to do that. And, I think it fires everyone up. Can you break 100 million next year in terms of revenue, or does that feel like a stretch goal? Um, yeah, no, we could we could definitely do that. And last question: Any talks to acquire Dialsource or Dialog Tech, both interesting companies in your space? Um, no. <laughs> First of all, I've done a million podcasts. This is like the most insightful or best questions <laughs> ever. Asked. Is that I don't, know if that's, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't want you to hate me at the yeah. end of it. No, it's hysterical because like you, you get a lot of people asking questions and it's clear that they may not really understand the underlying why they're asking the questions or they were told to ask it. But like, this is like sitting through like a series <laughs> E and having to validate. <laughs> um, but no, we're not. You, you have know, real, I mean, but, but the, re- Craig, the reason I'm asking is like, you are a rare example where you could literally argue whoever acquires the largest database of voice data, the fastest because of economies of scale. If your AI machine learning is quick enough to ingest that cohort, that sample size, you really can build a defensible moat. So if that was the case, you would go buy as much voice data as you possibly could. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, I mean, at a certain point you have a minimum amount of training data you need for any language. Right. And then at a certain point you have an overwhelmingly almost too much data to analyze. Like at the end of the day, like you can, you'll, your, your incremental gains, it's like lowering your golf score, right? Like, you know, like going from an 18 to a 12 is actually okay and relatively easy to do, but a 12 to an eight is like four times harder and an eight to a six is eight times harder. Like it just gets harder and harder and harder. So you're getting these, these incremental gains. Um, but no, you're right. Like I, we, we benchmark against Google's, Google speech, ASR, we can, we benchmark against their standard and, and their enhanced, um, and we, we exceed their standard. We're right at their enhanced levels. Um, ours is totally the, one of the things that's really unique about ours is 
it gets trained on your specific company. So you like, let's say customer A signs up for Dalpad, they can put in their own lexicon, their own dictionary, their own names of their products, their own names of their competitors, what they want their own battle cards to say. And then it's going to train on your specific data and no one else in the industry can do that. So that's what makes it really, really impressive is, you know, you could be some funky pharmaceutical company with weird product names and all of a sudden everything's just going to work really, really well for you and your support guys and your sales guys because it's trained on your specific data. And that to me is the most, you know, kind of the most compelling, interesting piece about it rather than just this generic data set of, you know, 100 million people saying, okay, Google, what time is it? Or, you know, it's okay, you know, Alexa, play, you know, Foo Fighters on Spotify. Like, it's a much better training set than just these random inputs to these other devices. Yep. Yep. And I hear you. All right. Good stuff. So, so no talks to acquire uh, any, any dial source, dialogue tech next 12 months. I'm not going to see a TechCrunch headline tomorrow and then go, Craig, what the hell? Why didn't you give me the story? Well, if there were, I wouldn't tell you. Um, so like it's not gonna i guess my answer is the same either way there well there you go guys you have to watch the youtube video watch craig's body language to see if one of those acquisitions are happening uh in yeah. anytime soon yeah, my eyes are eyes are darting around the room <laughs> arms all right craig let's wrap up with easy questions five famous five here number one favorite business book um hard thing about hard things number two is there a ceo you're following or studying um, no, but Bezos impresses the hell out of me. Yep. Number three, how many, uh, what's your favorite online tool for building your company? Ooh, um, that's a great question. You know, um, I find myself using like random stuff, but Trello and Lucid chart are two of the ones that I use a lot. Okay. Uh, number three, how many hours is four? How many hours of sleep to get every night? Um, used to be about four hours a night. Now it's up to about seven. That's so, good, much healthier. And yeah. what's your situation? Married, single kids? Uh, 26 and a half years, married, three kids, two in college, one in high school. Holy mackerel. You got a busy man. And how old are you? Uh, 54. Take us home. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Um, boy, uh, geez, great question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, my 20, 20 year old self, probably I wish I, cause like I, I'm running a tech company and I was a social studies major and I went to law school. And so like, I like, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, but I really like, it would probably be better to understand the tech a little bit more, but at the end of the day, it's also better for me to not. And then I'll just talk to my engineers. I'm like, look, I don't know how you're going to do this, but it would be really cool if this happened when this happened. And it kind of gives me this level of abstraction. So yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd have been like a computer science major instead of a social studies major, but I wouldn't have had nearly as much fun. Guys, there you have it. Dialpad launched in 2011. Uber Conference is one of their brands. All together between the brands, they have over 60,000 customers. Caught between five and 10,000 on Dialpad alone, paying you know several thousand a month to use the technology. They've raised 120 million dollars to do this. Totally comfortable burning up to a million a month. Obviously, gives them plenty of runway. Still have between 45 and 50 million in the bank from that last run they did over a year ago. So healthy growth. 500 folks on the team right now. 150 engineers, about 75 quota carrying reps, whether they're CSMs or AEs, and net revenue retention really healthy at 125 percent. Craig, thanks for taking us to the top. Yeah, thank you.